Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Trust you had a great weekend. And we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today to start the week. And the good, Jim, is a qualified good, but it's moving in the right direction. It's over in Russia, where uh, prominent Putin critic Alexei Navalny, allegedly near death due to his hunger strike, a doctor saying uh, uh, he could be a prime target for a heart attack at any moment because of his weakened state, moved to a prison facility with a hospital now. So this is uh, the, the latest news from over there. The Russian State Penitentiary Service saying Monday a decision was made to transfer Navalny. Uh, the announcement comes two days after Navalny's physician said his health was deteriorating. The state prison service said in a statement that he would be transferred to a hospital for convicts located in another penal colony in Vladimir, appropriately enough, a city 180 kilometers east of Moscow. According to the statement, Navalny's condition is deemed satisfactory and he has agreed to take vitamin therapy. Uh, some believe that this happened because uh, Putin's uh, expected to uh, give his version of the State of the Union address, and he doesn't want massive protests in the streets over Navalny and so forth for the optics. Others are saying, well, this could put a lot of pressure on him from the U.S. and possibly others. So, Jim, uh, as, as Josh Shaw over at Hot Air says, uh, Putin's clearly going to be perfectly happy if this guy dies. So it's a little bit of a question as to why they're doing this now, but what do you make of it? Yeah, so we haven't talked about this a ton on this podcast. And the very short version is that Navalny is a critic of Putin, much to the shock of everyone, willingly chose to go back to Russia, uh, I guess it was late last year, um, with everybody saying, hey, you know, Putin's going to kill you if you do that. And he's like, no, no, uh, I must do this. And I think one of the, maybe Navalny was thinking that because one of his accusations of Putin is that he's a murderous thug, he put himself in a situation where if Putin did what he wanted to Navalny, he would, in fact, confirm uh, Navalny's criticism of him. It would you know, kind of further expose the fact that Putin is a murderous thug. Well, he's been in prison. He's been treated very badly in prison. He's been getting sicker and sicker. He's on this uh, hunger strike because of the poor they're not uh, 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 health care that he's getting in there. And boy, because when you think of good health care, you think of Russian prison camps. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So well, you know, why is this a good martini? Well, obviously, look, if he's, the fact that he's getting any medical attention, the fact that he's going to a prison hospital, at least that's some progress. And I do think it's significant. This came after this past weekend when uh, Jake Sullivan, the uh, national security advisor, said on, uh, I think it was CNN's program, we have communicated to the Russian government that what happens to Mr. Navalny in their custody is their responsibility, and they will be held accountable by the international community. Now, it is not often we see, you know, like, there's been this sense that the Biden administration is talking a very tough game against Russia. And they have you know, imposed certain sanctions and things like that. I think we've reached a point of diminishing returns with sanctions on Russia. There's not that much left to sanction, except for the Nord Stream 2 proposal. It's that gas pipeline they want to build to Germany. And for some strange reason, reason Biden is barely mentioning this. And we haven't put sanctions on the companies working on that because it was really irk the Germans. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I, it, hopefully Navalny pulls through. Uh, I do think the administration kind of has backed itself into a corner here. But I think it's good that they're saying, hey, if, you, if Navalny dies in prison, we hold you guys responsible. The question then is, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, what's left for the Biden administration to do since they seem very reluctant to do Nord Stream 2? Um, they've sanctioned everything they could. They've put travel restrictions on everybody they could. 
Um, and oh, by the way, Joe Biden said he's invited Vladimir Putin to a summit. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if in Biden's mind it comes across as the carrot and the stick or whether it's just kind of mixed messages. It's no less than Gary Kasparov in the Wall Street Journal this morning basically saying, why are you inviting a killer to a summit? Uh, and Kasparov was no fan of the Trump administration's approach to Russia. And he thought he were getting improvement in Biden. And he's less than thrilled with what he's seeing so far. Um, Hopefully Navalny pulls through. If he doesn't, it'll be really interesting to see what the Biden team does. And you know, I think, Greg, you and I, for the last four years, were kind of saying, it's great to see Democrats taking this hard, tough on Russia line. Just, we'll see how long it lasts once Trump leaves the stage. And we will see very, very soon how much Democrats meant that stuff. And I don't know about you, Greg, I'm being ready to be grimly vindicated that this was all political posturing and that in the end, the Biden administration does not have an appetite for a larger and larger conflict with Russia. Yeah, I mean, Biden was the uh, number two guy in the Obama administration, obviously. I don't know how directly he was involved in uh, response to Russia just annexing the Crimea and pretty much doing what it wanted in eastern Ukraine. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be super optimistic about them really dropping the hammer here. But uh, we'll see what the international community holds you responsible actually amounts to other than maybe a strongly written letter. Uh, or something like that. Hopefully it's got something with more teeth in it. Uh, on, on Navalny's sake, I admire the man's courage, but I'm not sure we needed a ton more evidence that, uh, you know, Putin kills people he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah, it's got, that wasn't really in that much doubt for most of us, but uh, yeah, we'll see how things shake out there. All right. Well, they mentioned vitamins. Uh, he, could, he probably needs a little more help than just vitamins at this point, but uh, vitamins can help and uh, ritual is the way to go with that. Look, we deserve to know what we're putting into our bodies, especially when it comes to something that you take every day. And Ritual's got their clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. You won't find the other garbage, the sugars, the GMOs, allergens, synthetic fillers, none of that stuff. Plus, you got a fresh taste, and the delayed-release capsule design makes taking your vitamins easy. Ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. Now, multivitamin should contain key nutrients in forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in your diet. And it shouldn't have any shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design ensures high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And Ritual is made traceable, which means you'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from, thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. Yeah, you not only love a great product, you love a, a great product done in an even smarter way. And that's one of the reasons I love Ritual. I mean, I like getting the nutrients that you need, especially uh, keeping a strong immune system. I love the fact that there's zinc in this. Uh, that's always good for the immune system, plus your vitamin B, your vitamin D, and so many other things that you need uh, to, to remain healthy. And so what you want to do is get key nutrients without the nonsense. Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. Again, ritual.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move on to our bad martini now. And for that, we turn to an issue that affects every single one of us, the rising cost of stuff. If you haven't been to the gas pump lately, you're lucky, but uh, most of us have, I'm sure. And you notice that over the past three months, things have gotten more expensive. Uh, I happen to have a few receipts in the cup holder in my car. At the beginning of January, $2.04 a gallon where I live. Now it's just south of $3. And I know in, in your county, Jim, I think it's probably pretty much right at $3. In some parts of the country, it's considerably more than that. So fuel's more expensive, and that means 
Hauling stuff is more expensive, including food. Here's uh, NBC News explaining the prices that are on the rise. John Camarage says his grocery bill has nearly doubled. Are you buying less fresh food, less produce, less meat because of the prices? It's, it's more produce than, than meat because meat is very expensive. Compared to a year ago, many staples will cost more. A dozen eggs and a pound of ground chuck, both up 7%. And a loaf of bread, up 11%. I would expect that we're going to see prices continue to rise over the next 6 to 18 months. Experts say that's because of the supply, coupled with the increased cost of getting products onto shelves. Factors include rising gas prices, driver shortages, fewer workers in meatpacking plants and bakeries, and bad winter weather that damage crops. So a lot of factors there, Jim, but uh, one that's constant is if it costs more money to get stuff to different places, especially a lot more, like 80 or 90 cents a gallon, that's going to be reflected in prices. It's a very regressive problem. It's going to hit people who are poor or you know struggling to make ends meet in other ways uh, the hardest. And so... You know, this is an administration that claims it's always looking out for the little guy. But right off the gate here, these energy prices are sending prices of a lot of things higher. Yeah, and this is not the first murmur we've heard about inflation over the last couple of months. I am not an economist. I leave that to the guys over at National Review's Capital Matters. But it is starting to feel tangible. Uh, gas is probably the biggest and most obvious example. Um, someone once observed that, like, because people always drive past gas stations, and because there are big signs saying what the price is per gallon, it's one of the kind of psychologically one of the easiest ways for people to measure if prices are going up um, because they see it in big, bold letters every single day. They don't, they don't see it necessarily for the price of a dozen eggs or something like that. Um, but that television broadcast there didn't mention, by the way, is that we've had a bunch of COVID and, and uh, uh, pandemic relief bills that have been sending out checks to everybody all across the country, which in general is a good idea, particularly if they've been laid off or can't work or the business has been shut down. But we've now done it several times and it's come out to several trillion. And we just had the Democrats just pass through their big COVID-19 relief bill. And now they want to do another giant you know, infrastructure spending bill on top of all that. Well, inflation is what happens when you have lots and lots of money being pumped into an economy and you have too much money chasing too few goods that basically everybody becomes quote unquote wealthy because they just got this check from the government. So they go out and spend more and you know businesses notice this and they start raising their, their own prices. And that's separate from an increased gas price will then mean an increased cost for every other product you get uh, and everything else. And what's interesting, if you said, oh, okay, well this, you know, Jim, you shouldn't pick on Biden for this. It's not the Democrats fault, it's the pandemic. Okay, except it should be slowing down as more people get vaccinated and the effects of the pandemic wind down as we're in right now. <clears throat> it seems to be accelerating. In fact, last uh, month, the cons monthly consumer price index um, had the largest one month increase in nearly a decade, six tenths of a percentage point. Um, over the past year, it's been prices have increased by 2.6. Um, it's all fairly starting to add up. And again, it's in a way that people are starting to feel it. I was on a podcast with Brady Leonard last week and he said that like, they're spending 50% more in groceries and they feel like they've got pretty much the same amount of groceries they always do. I suspect a lot of listeners are starting to feel this. So I think it's time to work. Now, you know, Powell at the, uh, at the Federal Reserve says not to worry about it. Clearly, the uh, Biden administration is not particularly concerned about this. I think we're starting to reach the point where it's not just a, an unusual monthly fluctuation. We'll see what happens next month in the new numbers. But man, if it is, then we really do have inflation and it's not a problem we really have to worry about too badly for the past 40 years. And, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, Greg, I'm not looking forward to the, the, the uh, 
uh, W-I-N buttons that Gerald <laughs> Ford put out. Whip inflation now. Because lo and behold, you couldn't solve an economic problem with buttons. No, you have to have a hashtag now. You have to have a hashtag to solve any problems. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you could say, well, Biden's just been on the job for three months. You can't lay this all at his feet. No, you can't lay it all at his feet. But when it comes to energy, what are some of the very first orders that he gave? Uh, it's not just the Keystone mm -hmm. Pipeline. It's federal lands for domestic energy exploration. And now we got this news from the Associated Press. Interior Secretary Deb Haaland, however you say her name there, on Friday revoked a series of Trump administration orders that promoted fossil fuel development on public lands and waters and issued a separate directive that prioritizes climate change in agency decisions. Uh, and this is a quote from her in a statement from day one, President Biden was clear that we must take a whole of government approach to tackle the climate crisis, strengthen the economy and address environmental justice. Hope that makes you feel better when your pockets are empty. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, the consumer confidence is just off the charts right there. <laughs> that last one was not in the statement, but you probably figured that out. Your bank account situation might not be super comfortable, but at least your feet can be with my pillow, my slippers. Uh, they've created this over the last two years to ensure they're the highest in quality and comfort. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can get 40% off my slippers with the promo code Martini at mypillow.com. My slippers are durable, you can wear them all day indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. They have beautiful leather suede. They have cozy faux fur linings. They come in moccasin or slip-on style, and they're available in a variety of colors. But what's more, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Yeah, you'll get the 60-day uh, money-back guarantee, but I'm pretty sure you're going to want to keep them because these things have a three-tier cushioning system. They include the patented fill from the pillows. That's layer one, then a comfort memory foam, and then a patented impact gel. I love these slippers. I look for them when, I, when uh, I, I just feel like walking around the house, which I never would have done before. They're great. For a limited time, MyPillow offering 40% off my slippers. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Enter promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. You can only save 40% on the new My Slippers, though, with promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim. As we speak, I believe they're still ongoing, the closing arguments in the Derek Chauvin trial in Minneapolis, in connection, of course, with the death of George Floyd around Memorial Day last year, which means we'll probably get a verdict sometime this week. I'll let the legal eagles debate who's made their case and who hasn't and what we're likely to see here. Um, but Maxine Waters, not a juror, uh, Congresswoman from California, has already decided what the verdict must be in order for there to be actual justice in the case. And she knows exactly what needs to happen. If there's not a guilty verdict, and it's got to be a guilty verdict on murder, by the way. Here she is in an interview, uh, I believe, just over the weekend on this. We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict. And we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful 
and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that is say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. It's coming from what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need this. Absolute recipe for chaos. Yeah. I, I mean, look, this is, you know, it, it's like, there are a lot of debates about what constitutes incitement in our uh in our legal system and in our political debate there's a lot of times where uh someone will say something fired up and we got to get these guys we're gonna you know take this country back you know people argue about oh is this, this is you know calling for insurrection this is encouraging people to violence and you know obviously it's a circumstance where people will say well it totally doesn't apply to the guy who's a supporter of bernie sanders who tried to shoot up a softball field but it totally does apply to republicans when they you know use certain rhetoric and certain words and things like that I don't know if this crosses the line, but I think it's safe to say this goes right up to the line, saying be more aggressive and things like that. And look, everybody knows, I would say the entire, you know, every city in Minnesota, but really it's every, almost every major city across the country, police forces are on alert. There is an expectation that this, uh, that anything short of a, a, you know, guilty of manslaughter, as she, you know, she kind of poo-poos it and dismisses it. Look, he's going to be, you know, facing some, uh, serious time if he does get convicted of manslaughter, but that's not good enough. And apparently that people should be angry about it. Now, my sense is, you know, guy behind bars is a guy behind bars, but fine, they want to get uh, a conviction of murder. Oh, by the way, this is another conversation for another time, but there are certain arguments that prosecutors can, you know, lose, miss out on sustainable convictions because they overcharge because the facts of a case don't necessarily support murder one or murder two or something like that but the facts in the case could support manslaughter or some lesser charge they would not have the maximum sentence but still have a significant sentence instead you go for you kind of you overreach you end up not persuading the jury and then you end up with a not guilty verdict and then people everybody's upset so i don't know exactly how this is going to shake out but right now maxine waters is a rhetorical arsonist taking an already tense situation and pouring gasoline onto the fire. Metaphorically, I emphasize, but uh, um, a couple, I think, you know, it's really a very fair question, just what the heck Maxine Waters, a congresswoman from California, is doing in Minnesota and what she thinks she's going to accomplish over there in what is already just about the near nightmare scenario for everybody who lives in that city right now. There's so many people in these situations who do not help, and she's clearly one of them, and... uh, Another person who doesn't help, uh, you, of course, have seen who's sponsoring the resolution to punish her in the House. <laughs> yeah. Marjorie yeah, Taylor Greene. That's not the response I was thinking we really, you know. Yeah. If you're looking for somebody to lead that charge, you might want to reconsider on, uh, on that particular choice. But uh, anyway, Jim, we're off to quite a start this week. So uh, we'll see what the rest of the week has in store for us. Uh, I can't believe it's Monday, Greg. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please do subscribe, if you haven't already, to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for those five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, please get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.